Hello, I'm Katie Manning, and I played Joe Grant Jones on Doctor Who. And you're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Go on, darlings, keep collecting. Welcome back to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, the podcast that explores the friendly world of Doctor Who collecting, the collectors, all kinds of Doctor Who merchandise, and the world of Doctor Who in general. Thank you for listening. Um, Brought to you in part by Forbidden Planet and Bags Unlimited Incorporated. Welcome to the show. I'm Larry Van Mersberg and your host. I've been a Doctor Who collector now for 42 years. Welcome to our 72nd episode. And I'm excited to present this one to you. This is a rather exciting um, episode for me. So I will get more into that as we go on. But uh, we're celebrating 60 years of Doctor Who with one special down and two more to go uh, before the Christmas special and the new 15th Doctor coming down the, the pike here. So coming off the buzz here of Chicago TARDIS, which just ended a few days ago. So I will talk about that in my time coming up next. Uh, so just a little bit about me. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. Um, I actually opened one of the first Doctor Who stores in Chicago, and we served the Doctor Who fans exclusively. This was back in 1984, and I called the shop Bundles from Britain. We had a catalog, we had a table, we traveled from convention to, con- or not convention, I should say, fan club to fan club. I've got convention on the brain, if you can't tell. But we went to all these different fan clubs around the area, and uh, one of the fan clubs we landed at was uh, the Many Companions of Doctor Who, a great, great group of people. Uh, at the time, uh, the Lord President was Matthias Sturm, <clears throat> but I met a lot of great people there. And um, that actually opened the door to a wonderful collaboration uh, between myself and Mr. Gene Smith. And uh, if you don't know that name, or you should know that name, he is the CEO of Alien Entertainment and the showrunner of Chicago TARDIS. So anyway, we got going. And uh, after a while, you know, of course, I sold my half of the business back to uh, to Gene. And of course, uh I forgot about it for a while until a book came out called Red, White, and Who, The Story of Doctor Who in America. And as I was paging through the book and getting into all the different stories about, you know, what happened here in Chicago, and I'm like, my shop is in there, Bundles from Britain, on page 384. I was just blown away. That was a shop I created when I was 15 years old, and it's still in the history books. I am honored. Um, if you'd like a copy of this book, you can find it on the front page of our website at DoctorWhoCollectors.com. No money from that book is collected by us. We want all that money to go to the authors, the wonderful people behind that book. And uh, it's just a convenient link for you to find it. Uh, if you can't find it at the Amazon link at a, at a decent price, you can find it directly from ATB Publishing. So just Google ATB Publishing and you'll find that book. We are part, of course, of the Direction Point Doctor Who Podcast Network. Just had a great Sunday breakfast with more of the Doctor Who uh, podcasters out there, including the folks at Timestreams, the Doctor Who Target Book, 
Club, the Police Box in a Junkyard, and the Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey podcast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so if you happen to be a Doctor Who podcaster listening to my show, uh, either as a fan or as somebody who wants to, you know, figure out how to do this, join our network. There is no cost to join. Directionpoint.org is your starting point, and you can join us there. What a great thing to do. Um, of course, in addition to links, of course, uh, two links that I always include on every show. You need to have these on your in your library here. Um, Timelash.com, and when you go there, land on the TARDIS library. And bookmark that one. And that's a place where you can keep track of your books, your vinyl, your CD collection, your not your magazines, though. Uh, but you can keep track of your Betamax tapes, your VHS tapes, your DVDs, your big finish releases. Great place to do that. You can create a free account. So special thanks to Mr. Dan O'Malley for making that possible. Um, if you want to really find the stuff that I talk about or I show on my panels, or you need to look up the Doctor Who tra uh, toy box at uh, How's Transcendental Toy Box at DoctorWhoToyBox.co.uk. And of course, by How, we of course mean my good friend David J. How. Um, he's a great, great resource for Doctor Who collecting. He's got one of the largest Doctor Who collections in the world. And um, we've had him on the show before. Hopefully we'll have him on again. Um, of course, if you're looking for Doctor Who items at great prices, then <clears throat> go no further than DoctorWhoStore.com. It's in the name. That's Alien Entertainment. Uh, they will be, they're currently getting back from Chicago TARDIS, but they should be up and running soon, just in time for the holidays. So there you go. If you live in the, uh, if you live in the Chicago land area, you can actually uh, include, you know, you can choose on the website there as local pickup from the store save that shipping cost although i will say sorry i just knocked something over there uh it's, i just keep going i don't edit those things out anyway um <clears throat> speaking of which i'm going to lubricate the vocal cords here ah all right there we go that's much better so anyway um you can choose local pickup from their uh from their lombard location save that shipping cost Use it for other things. Use it for more Doctor Who items. They're open Wednesday through Saturday at the Lombard location, so visit alienentertainment.com for locations and store hours. Of course, you can also get some great Doctor Who items right here at my website, doctorwhocollectors.com, and shop at Forbidden Planet. Well, how do you do that? Well, um, we, are, uh, we have a partnership with Forbidden Planet as one of our sponsors. Just visit our website, select Doctor Who merchandise links, and you can find items related to the 60th anniversary direct from Forbidden Planet. You check out on their website, and they share a little bit of that money with us, and we that keeps, keeps us on the virtual air. And don't forget, the first link on that page is our eBay store. We've got some really exciting stuff, including, as of this recording, the latest Radio Times with David Tennant and... Uh, Catherine Tate on the front cover. There you go. We've got a lot of goodies there too. So, and of course, let's not forget our good friends at Who North America, Keith and Jenny, amazing people. Uh, they opened Who North America the same year as Bundles from Britain. Didn't know that. Um, you can find them at WhoNA. That's W-H-O-N-A.com. And of course, not least but last here on my list is the our friends at the Who Shop in London. Um, I remember just calling them up and they said they loved the podcast. So what a, what a great group of folks there. Um, wonderful people. So while you're on our website, of course, uh, we have all of our podcasts 
posted there. Some of the providers like to take those down. So if you want to hear some of the early attempts that we did, especially the first episode where I didn't have a format, I just started talking and people started listening and said, hey, that's pretty good. So now we have a format and it works well for us. So you can go there. We also have the complete guide to Doctor Who Classic Hardcover Books. Uh, it is one of the most complete guides uh, out there to those uh, collectibles. We're trying to make sure that the values are up to date based on sold prices. We use uh, sold, closed eBay sale prices to, and plus uh, sales from uh, other outlets that report sales to us that will tell us exactly what they sold for. <clears throat> that way you get an accurate uh, idea of what you're paying for the stuff. There you go. We also, we also list every reprint that we know about. And uh, we're trying to get as much information as we can. So, moving on to that, I, like I said, we just finished up Chicago TARDIS 2023, so let's talk about Chicago TARDIS 2024 is now set for November 29th to December 1st, Thanksgiving weekend 2024. Join us for our own celebration of Doctor Who with the best convention in the Midwest, and for more information and to be on their mailing list so you don't miss any of their updates, uh, go to chicagotardis.com. So, What's going on? Uh, my my panel show, 60 Items for 60 Years, will be returning to the Twin Cities console room. Uh, so it, it'll either be a virtual um, film that was done at Oktoberfest or a live in-person show. We don't know yet. Uh, I'll also be doing it live at Consinity in Milwaukee. I've been added to their official guest list for that. So uh, I was even on the flyer. So <laughs> there we go. I love it. It's a it's a fun time in Milwaukee. So uh, my hats are off to the Milwaukee Time Lords. They're great people. Um, and like I said before, uh, when I was talking about the hardcovers, a lot of rumors out there. A lot of people talking about their third printing of Space War, which doesn't exist as far as we know. But <clears throat> hey, if it does, let us know. Send us a copy of the uh, uh, copy of the book. Uh, picture of the book would be nice. Uh, the spine, so we can see what publisher is listed there and of course importantly that copyright page that says third impression that would be really helpful um, if you have such a book or any other book you'd like to uh, share with us uh, you can contact us directly at doctor who collectors podcast at gmail.com put hardcover book in the subject line so it pops out at me and i will definitely take a look um, we're also looking for your outrageous offers it's the closing part of our show it's one of the most popular um, features. Uh, somebody will send us a tip and say, hey, we saw this, this somebody selling this book for $2,000 and we find out that you can buy it for 10 cents somewhere else. You know, it's like that. So if you find something out there, it's a little too overpriced. Let us know. That'd be great. Share your story here and we would love to see you. Okay, today's show, uh, I will be, of course, wrapping up Chicago Tardis shortly and I will be presenting in full my interview with Katie Manning, Doctor Who legend. She's a dear friend, played Joe Grant in, uh, I guess, Joe Grant since 1971, currently still Joe Grant as a power of the Doctor, and um, of course plays it on Big Finish. She also plays Iris Wildtime and a number of other voices. Uh, we, she and I had a lot of time together this weekend, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was on the main stage, so I'll talk about that more in a little bit. Uh, so that'll be on the podcast later. So don't uh, don't give up yet. We've got that for you shortly. 
Um, I do want to thank our patrons. If you uh, are following us on Patreon, we do offer exclusive material, um, including special video content. However, the video of myself interviewing Katie Manning will be made for free on our YouTube channel as soon as it's edited and ready to go. Um, we want to, I want to thank uh, some people for that, and I'll do that in a little bit. But if you want to see the exclusive video, including our interview with Peter Purvis and other great stars, it's a $15 level or above, and uh, we thank you for that. You can just go to patreon.com backslash Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Uh, you can also support us at Podbean. We are a Podbean podcast, and that's at doctorwhocollectors.podbeam.com, and click the patron button. You can support us at any level you're comfortable. Our theme song is Who's Doctor Who, composed by Barry Mason and Les Reed, performed by... The Mist, Fraser Hines. This is the first convention I've been to where there was no Fraser Hines. Uh, but he will be at L.I. Hue, uh, L.I. Hue, L.I. Who in uh, Long Island. That's a great convention. My, my good friend Ken Deep runs that one. And uh, we'll have Ken on the show sometime. So definitely that. Uh, if you're sharing this podcast with your friends, and I hope you do, um, you're out there, including Apple, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Podbean. We're trying to get this onto SiriusXM. We're doing our best there. But um, we are a Direction Point podcast. You can also find us at directionpoint.org. So right now, uh, we're going to go to my time. So I want to talk about Chicago TARDIS. What a great weekend that was. And uh, it's, you know, I got there Friday morning and real early Friday morning and I uh, put the uh, podcast banner up in the hallway, got my got my badge. I'm an all access member, so it means I can go just about anywhere. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, special, you know, special thanks to Taylor Deathridge, who runs that show. She does a, an amazing job. Um, but um, I decided to do all my photos on Friday. Of course, I wore the fifth doctor cosplay. It's what I usually do. And meeting up with a lot of my cosplay friends, and uh, including former guests uh, on the show here, including Abby Rago. Um, and uh, that was a lot of fun. <clears throat> I also ran into uh, one of my UK followers, uh, uh, Gigi Jessamine, who she goes by, and uh, she was enjoying her first US convention. What a lot of fun. Um, in addition to that, got to meet some amazing people. Of course, all three doctors were there. Uh, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, and Sylvester McCoy were all in the house. Uh, we had Katie Manning, of course, as I mentioned before. We had uh, Mark Strickson. And, and I was shocked. Mark remembered me from 1984. Uh, he said that you looked a little familiar. I said, yeah, I had more hair back then. But um, he was so kind. And uh, he, he signed my photo. He's like, thanks, sir. You know, good to see you again, which was really nice. Uh, very nice man. Um, really had a nice time talking to him. Um, I also met uh, one of my uh, one of my idols too, Lisa Bowerman. Lisa Bowerman. She, of course, <clears throat> is a uh, she she directs uh, for Big Finish, but she's best known as Bernie Summerfield, and we love Benny. So that was a lot of fun. Jason Hay Gallery, of course, CEO of Big Finish, was there. Uh, Jonathan Carley, who plays, I believe, the War Master or the War Doctor. I can't remember. Uh, it's one of those two. Uh, and uh, we also saw the great Michael Troughton. I got to share stories with him about meeting his father back in the 80s. That was a lot of fun. And he was such a, such a nice man. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And finally got to meet Rachel Talalay, um, the famous director. I'd say she's famous. I mean, she directed Tank Girl. But she also directed The Star Beast. So more on that in just a moment. 
Um, so I got all my photos on Friday. I went to a meet and greet with, uh, oh, Janet Fielding. I can't forget Janet Fielding. She was super kind, uh, super nice. Um, very, very, you know, almost to tears when, when her fan, you know, just fans adored her right and left. That was so much fun. Um, and, you know, really just had a great first day. Uh, Saturday, of course, Saturday morning, right at 10 o'clock, I did 60 items for 60 years. That panel was full. I had a full house. It was a lot of fun to do. Uh, some, some familiar folks in the crowd. Uh, Ross Rudiger was in the crowd. Um, helping me, of course, my good friend Galen Jenkins and uh, Katie Haynes, of course, one of my former guests on the show. She was there to help as well. <clears throat> we gave away uh, a 14th Dr. Sonic screwdriver. And it went to a young man. Uh, who was absolutely thrilled. In fact, I got a, a note from his dad that just said that he's a fan of mine and he's extremely happy. So I think uh, we, we, were, we, we got an extra Sonic courtesy of Character Online uh, to give away at the, at the panel, and it, it just went very well. Um, I have to, you know, I have to say it's in the moment, of course, getting through 60 items in 50 minutes is not easy, but I, I did it. That's my second time through the show live. Uh, and it went very well. It was a lot of fun. A lot of people were very, very uh, enthusiastic about that. And then um, later that day, of course, I had to, I had to sneak in some autographs. Uh, so I have a copy of the Sirens of Time on cassette, and I always uh, would joke with Jason Hagelery about, you know, having that. And he goes, "Oh, nobody has that anymore." So um, I ha asked him to sign my cassette, and I had all three doctors sign it. And what was interesting when I got to Sylvester McCoy, he looked at me and said. They did a cassette of this. <laughs> I guess he he may not have remembered, but he was really shocked. He opened the whole thing up and looked at it, and he's like, oh, this is great, and he signed his name to it. Uh, so I've got all three doctors and, and his signature on that, so that's really cool. I had Peter uh, Davison sign um, a copy of Radio Times from 1986, which he was on the cover, and his first magazine. So And, oh, you know, I can't forget the great Carol Ann Ford. She was there as well. Um, I'm working without notes, so I'm just my memory is good here. Uh, I asked uh, Carol Ann to sign my first edition of An Unearthly Child, so she was very nice. Uh, there was there was a lot of fun to be there, and just a lot of great folks. So that that was great. Um, Saturday night I went to the meet and greet uh, with the Big Finish crowd, so that was a lot of fun. Then we got a special um, treat, and I think we could talk about it now because it's happened. But I told you Rachel Tellelay was there. She was the director of the Star Beast. And we were, um, we were all told through our schedule app that a special presentation in the main uh, programming was happening uh, at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. So, of course, uh, I'm an all-access member, so I walked right in. They had moved our seats to the second row so they could have the front row for all the guests and staff, which I fully support. That's a great idea. And we got to watch the Star Beast on a big screen with 700 people in the audience. And when Rachel's name appeared on the screen, it we cheered. Um, and I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy the Star Beast. I know there's I know there's mixed reviews out there, but I'm not. This is not the podcast for reviewing episodes. I'm telling you what I feel. This is my time. I enjoyed it and got a chance to see it with my friends around me, and uh, it it was fun. It was fun. I'm not going to give away any spoilers because you may not have watched it yet. But I, I, I will say there were some callbacks to Tom Baker. <clears throat> there was, um, of course, the 14th Doctor Sonic who was on 
was on the screen, which uh, I've already had one on my shelf. So that's kind of that was kind of cool. Um, and of course, uh, Rachel Talalay was was there to, you know, and, and just and of course, uh, after it was done, I, I actually sat behind uh, Caroline Ford. And as she was getting up, I just said, excuse me, Miss, Miss Ford, I just have to ask you, you know, how did it feel to be here and watch that? And she had tears in her eyes. So I can only imagine, I wish I had, you know, her handler was moving her away pretty quick, but I, I wish, you know, I could say, you know, what, did, what what would William Hartnell say? He might not like it, but I don't know. But anyway, 60 years ago, they were in a studio that was a lot smaller and the sprinklers would go off if the lights got too hot. And we just watched the Star Beast, which was pretty amazing. So there we go. Um, hard time sleeping Saturday night. I was pretty excited. So um, Sunday morning. Uh, Sunday morning, we had uh, the breakfast with our other Direction Point uh, podcast hosts. Ah, sorry, I need a little water there. Uh, and that was a lot of fun to, to hang out with all those good people. Uh, before, oh, you know, I'm forgetting one thing before I go back. I only go back. Um, I did a, a great panel with uh, Tony Witt, which will actually be part of the Target Book Club podcast. Uh, and we talked about 60 years off Target, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, which books held up well which books were okay and which ones were absolutely horrible and i brought the props <laughs> so i brought the receipts i got all the books so it was nice to to do that and so um listen for that podcast that'll be coming out soon from the doctor who target book club um there we go uh yeah back to sunday um i had uh most of my autographs set for sunday but uh, I also had a meet and greet with uh, Carolyn Ford and Katie Manning. But Sunday morning, I started off the day with my first main stage interview. And I got to talk to the wonderful Katie Manning. And that was a wonderful, wonderful interview. We had a pretty good crowd there on a Sunday morning, I think, because, you know, people were, you know, I promoted it pretty heavily. And I just was happy to, to be on the stage. And I hope they put me on there again. So... I guess I got enough listeners to justify it, but it's nice to be a, a main stage speaker at Chicago TARDIS. Um, but Katie and I had a wonderful time. Katie told me how comfortable she was with me and some of the questions I got to ask. I got to ask her about working, being working, being the first companion to work against the master. And she told this wonderful story about Roger Delgado, which you'll hear in the uh, interview that's coming up later in the program. I've got the entire interview um, from beginning to end complete audio of that uh and by the way special special thanks uh are going to be given at, when i introduce that segment late, later because uh that was something that uh i didn't expect to have happen so that was really nice um later on sunday uh, i brought up i brought over my my uh dodge the daleks game and i thought well let's you know i did a i put out a panel for people who wanted to play the very first board game so i had enough people there to play a game so that was kind of cool so we played dodge the daleks and explained about how um the game you know came about you know from the dalek book and how this uh this game company made it and it was pretty the, the board is pretty nice there's some nice artwork there and all that and the game was in pretty good shape so that was a lot of fun to do um finished out you know i finished out the uh, day going through you know meeting a lot of my cosplay friends you know jen Greeley was there um and some of my other good friends were there as well so it was a lot of fun there was a tardis in the hallway there were daleks in dalek alley this year so my my uh inflatable dalek was not alone this year so that was kind of nice um the dealer's room was hopping there was a lot of good people there 
Um, it was just a lot of fun. And uh, I look forward to the next one. The next one will be the 25th anniversary of Chicago TARDIS. Um, so that will be a lot of fun as well. So it's just a, it's one of those weekends that I will not forget. You know, I had a great time. Um, and I thank all my friends who were there and are listening that uh, it was a lot of fun to catch up with all of you. <laughs> um, and just, just had a great time. It's a wonderful, wonderful convention. If you can make uh, the Chicago convention, of course, you know, book your room at the Westin as soon as it's available to and um, we'll see you there that was wonderful that and that is my time so we will take a quick break uh, and we will have our main story which includes the full interview that I did with Katie Manning on Sunday morning at Chicago TARDIS and of course the most outrageous offer stay tuned traveling the vortex are you ready to embark on an epic journey through time and space? Join the thousands of Whovians around the world who've discovered Traveling the Vortex, the ultimate Doctor Who podcast for diehard fans and curious newcomers alike. Every week, we dive deep into the Hooniverse, discussing the episodes, theories, and hidden gems. We dissect the Doctor's adventures, share behind-the-scenes stories, and explore the legacy of this iconic show. Traveling the Vortex brings fans together, fostering a global community of Whovians. Whether you're a fan of classic or new Who, there's something for everyone. Join us on this incredible journey as we unravel the mysteries of time and space. Don't miss out. Subscribe to Traveling the Vortex today on your favorite podcast platform. Traveling the Vortex. Your ticket to adventure awaits. Traveling the Vortex is a proud member of the Direction Point Podcast Network. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. We are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the Target novelizations and publication order. Every week, we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrace Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. This is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. Up there is the scanner. Those are the doors. That is a chair with a panda on it. Sheer poetry, dear boy. And now it's time for the main story. I'm very excited to present uh, the following program. Um, the program was pre-recorded. At Chicago TARDIS on Sunday morning, uh, I got the opportunity to talk with Katie Manning, who's a legend of Doctor Who, started back in 1971, traveling with the third Doctor, John Pertwee, and making some various reappearances, including the Sarah Jane adventures and in the episode The Power of the Doctor with Jodie Whittaker. So very excited to do that. Now, um, a couple things before we start. First of all, some people I want to thank. Uh, to make that possible, I want to thank the staff of Chicago TARDIS, including Stephen Warren Hill, Nick Seidler, John Lavallee, 
and Mike Olson, who uh, whose help I could not uh, do it without, and most importantly to Mr. Russell McGee, who engineered the recording and made it all happen. So uh, my thanks to all of you for doing that. And of course, uh, I encourage you all to get your tickets for Chicago TARDIS 2024 and uh, be there as it may. Now, a couple things about the uh, about the interview you're about to hear. Uh, first of all, there are some visuals that you won't be able to see. And uh, um, I will have the video on my YouTube channel for free. We're not going to put this on a Patreon. This is not one of those things we were trying to make money off of. We want everybody to enjoy it. Um, the other thing is that I did talk to Katie about doing this for the podcast and she forgot. So she did mention, she does say, I wish I'd been told. And I said, I did tell you, but that's okay. She's okay with it. It was a really good thing. She, her follow-up, uh, the, the feedback I received from this interview was very positive. Um, and of course, as you know, if you are the interviewer of Katie Manning, you just let Katie Manning be Katie. And she... <laughs> I don't, I don't get an opportunity to ask a lot of questions in the hour. There are some audience questions, and I do apologize for the audio. Uh, we had up-close microphones for Katie and myself, but, of course, Katie wandered off stage at one point uh, to, to make a point with an audience member. Um, it was very funny, actually, when she did it, because that's she was demonstrating uh, how Roger Delgado uh, was in character, you know, how he was able to do that, and she speaks very kindly of him. Um, so I, I take that with a grain of salt, of course, and I'm, I'm presenting to you uh, in full the uh, unedited, un, un, unabridged version of my conversation with Katie Manning. Uh, I will be back at the end of the uh, interview uh, to recap a little bit and to move on to our next segment. So here it is, my interview with Katie Manning. Uh, good morning. It's wonderful to see you all back again. Uh, will wake up as the day goes on, uh, and this will help, uh, because Katie is a ray of sunshine, and to introduce her, I would like to bring out Larry Van Burnsbergen. We apologize for not putting the microphones on the chairs. It's okay, it was a late night. Good morning, Chicago Tardis. How are we doing today? Well, 
Yeah. <laughs> right. There you go. There you go. Here yeah. we go. Yeah, we are recording today's uh, interview for the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. So. Oh, are we? They never oh. told me. <laughs> I would. I uh, that means I'm going to behave myself. Oh no, you can be any way you want. It's okay. <laughs> you may all have been out late last night, but I don't even have to to drink, and I was having the the most outrageous dinner. We were with um, Sylvester okay. oh, and... Uh, that already is outrageous. I think I have insulted the chef, right? Because I have a food thing that I don't like people messing with my food. You know, don't put stuff on it. Like if I want a potato, give me a potato. Mm. But don't think you're going to spray cheese and garlic and da-da-da just to make it better. It doesn't. So, anyway, so everybody's ordering. I'm this really difficult person to go out to dinner with, but I'm a very cheap date. <laughs> because I, do, <laughs> I don't drink and I don't eat much, right? I mean, I eat a lot, but not what. Anyway, so I'm looking at the menu and it's all meat. And then last time I had asparagus, it came in this huge pile. I swear it was taller than I was. And as I'm eating it, I'm thinking, it, Oops, oh, I'm thinking, it's so long, I'm sure this asparagus is going to come out of my nose, you know. It's a, anyway, so I avoided the asparagus, and I don't eat meat, as you're anything. Right. Larry's sitting here saying, well, I'm glad I'm doing this interview. Um, Take your time. <laughs> anyway, okay. so we've got the photos away. So I said, finally, I said, could I please just have a tomato? And he said, you want things? You want this on it? You want? I said, no, just a tomato, please, darling. Um, and some fries. Mm. So, and I hadn't eaten for two days, and that was exactly what I wanted. Well, I have never said, the tomato was bigger than my head. <laughs> and it came out on this plate, completely on its own, in the center of a plate. And the waiter came up and said, your tomato. And we all looked at this massive great tomato, <laughs> which hadn't even been cut, you know. <laughs> and I had visions, we all had visions of the chef in the kitchen saying, you know, all these years I go to, you know, to catering school, I'm a chef, I got five stars after my name, I'm da 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 da. And a woman wants a tomato. <laughs> I'll give her a goddamn tomato. <laughs> Okay. Oh uh, well. Uh, just to get started, uh, we'll, we'll address the uh, the proverbial elephant that's buzzing all over the internet. But what would, what did you think of the Star Beast? Well, of course, I had to be very secretive, didn't I? Yes. Because <laughs> I had seen it, and yes, uh, and um, I watched it on what I call a jelly baby high. Because um, <laughs> I, I, I don't like popcorn very much, and we had these tardises or tied eye or whatever you want to do, in in like full of popcorn. But I was stealing everybody's jelly babies, and I just arrived back from Australia, so I didn't realise I was also going to be a bit jet lagged after train. So I'm on this sugar high. I must have eaten five bags of jelly babies. And with the energy I already have, can you imagine what it was like? So I actually looked like the meep watching it. My eyes were like this. But it was so, you know, it's so hard to, 
see something and know how wonderful what you've just seen is and not be able to tell anybody. You know, it's like, I've been in that new TARDIS and I couldn't tell anybody. And um, I've noticed people putting photos of themselves in it. But you see, I was told not to do, ever show the photos that we had in it or anything. So I, I've kept everything. And then we kept tales of the TARDIS. You weren't allowed to talk about that. And so I spend my life, people say, what are you doing? I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah. I this, mean, this is true, because when I talked to her last, she said, uh, I'm going here, but I can't tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, it's my, and you yeah. do something for Big Finish. You know. What are you doing at Big I can't tell you. And that actually, a quick story about sure, that. Sure, sure. Sorry, no, well, no, Larry, sorry, Larry doesn't realize that interviewing me is a nightmare. <laughs> it's fine. Katie and I have been friends for a long time, so this is all good. <laughs> well, I get kind of excited, um, which is really sad at 77, isn't it? I'm walking around really excited. Um, anyway, um, it was like when I first got into the Sarah Jane Adventures. I don't yes, know. I yes. mean, if you're interested in this story, and then we'll go back. Please, yeah. Because it's tied up. You see, I, I, my brain does work. This is all tied up with what we were saying about I can't tell you. Mm -hmm. And I had come back from Australia. And um, I was uh, looking after the dogs, my dogs, Bin Bag and Oscar. Mm -hmm. And uh, I get a call from Gary Russell. And, all, and he's been a friend of mine for years. You know, I mean, he cast me as Iris. Um, anyway, yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, so I get this phone call from Gary Russell, and he says, don't tell anyone. I went, don't tell anyone what? And he said, I can't tell you. <laughs> okay, so I look at Bin Bag, and I look at Oscar, and I say, do you know anything? And they went, <laughs> And anyway, so, and then he said, call your agent. So I waited, this was a Sunday, so I called my agent on the Monday and I said, you know, darling, what, 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 I just had a call from Gary Russell and he told me that, you know, there was a, and you, I, I can't tell anyone, but I don't know what, I can't tell anyone because I don't know what it is that I can't tell them, right? So he says, so I said, what is it? He said, I can't tell you. I mean, and so I'm sitting there with all these people knowing something they can't tell me that seems to affect me. Anyway, that night, I'm going to the theater, and I'm walking down Shaftesbury Avenue looking for the theater, and I get a call, and the call says, Hi, Katie, it's Russell. Well, I've just come back from Australia. I'm looking for a theater. Russell who? You know, because there is a couple of Russells in my life, you know. Um, anyway, so he says, oh, well, I'm so glad that you, you know, are you, are you okay to talk? And I said, no, I'm looking for a theater. So he's in LA Googling the theater that I'm going to. I know. And eventually he said, well, I'm so glad that you're here and that you're going to be here. He said, you've saved us a fair by being back here. Um, <laughs> they're always the BBC. Um, and he said, um, we really want you to come back as, as Joe Grant. So I'm on my way to the theatre thinking, what? <laughs> you know, um, because, uh, you know, there hadn't been comebacks like we have now right. then. And of course, you know, dear Liz was a friend, a dear friend, and 
you know, it was it's such a joy. But, you know, so there we go. You see, it's all, my whole life is, I can't tell you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that that episode has aired, I just, I, when I saw that episode of Sarah Jane Adventures and you and Matt, I, in my mind's eye, I could see John Pertwee sitting across from you because Matt did such a great job. So how, how was it working with Matt in that moment? Because Darling, he yeah. is one of the, as you know, I'm sort of the woman now that can say, you know, I said to him, you know, not, he, he is such an incredibly interesting actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, his physicality is extraordinary. And he was so generous. And, um, and he said to me, you know, however you do, whatever you want to do in this scene, you just go with it, I'll go with you. You know, which is not something you get, as we were talking about a little bit yesterday, you sure. know, when people say, oh, you know, about motivation, you know, BBC is darling QKT to cry, boom, done. Okay, moving on. Uh, let's go and explode something now. Right. Um, <laughs> so he was so lovely and so sweet. And then he was asked about me and he said, oh, she's wonderful. She's as mad as a box of frogs. <laughs> now, I don't know if any of you have ever met Matt, but those frogs certainly, <laughs> he's even more bonkers. <laughs> but he's absolutely lovely. And I said to him, it meant a lot for me to say, John Pertwee would be so proud and impressed with the way that you have that you played the doctor, you know. He, he's such a creator, and I've seen him on stage now and everything. He's wonderful. I mean, I'm very lucky, you know, having worked with, you know, Pat Troughton. Mm -hmm. And, yes. uh, you know, I work with quite a lot of doctors now. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's fascinating. Who knew all those years ago, this little tiny, big mouth creature me um, <laughs> was going to have this arc of growing into this woman with great-grandchildren I mean the woman's going up the Amazon she's dropping babies at the bottom of mountains and <laughs> naming them after the nearest town yeah, uh, yeah. and living this wonderful life which the doctor had given her so much um, because she was never going to be an army girl, that was for sure. Um, and the doctor gave her so much that she realized what she had to do, and that was to do everything she could. While he's saving up there, she wanted to be here, saving this planet. And uh, I think all those years ago, isn't it sad that we haven't got any further? In fact, we've gone backwards and got worse. Just, I just have to say that because it's my passion what we're doing to this planet, but I won't, you know, I, I won't, I won't go all heavy and serious on you, <laughs> but, you know, I really, um, I think, you know, to think that we were dealing with that back in 1968, mm -hmm. and Barry Letts, the reason he wanted to do that one was because he and I were both terribly aware of what we were doing on this planet mm -hmm. and where it was going to go, so, and I was called a mad hippie because I cared about the planet, and I said, right. we are destroying this planet, you know? And all we keep doing is saying, oh, somebody will take care of it. Kicking the can down the road, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we won't get into all that. I'm sure you want to know it's, other it's things. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, well, we'll fast forward again. Uh, of course, coming back as Joe Grant once again in The Power of the Doctor. 
Um, tell us that experience of, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, that was another blooming secret. I know. I, uh, because I, I was no, I, I, I got, I jumped out of my chair when they panned on you, and of course William Russell oh, as well, who so, I was in love with so many so, years ago. Who just, by the way, William Russell just celebrated his 99th birthday a week or so ago. Um, and, I know. Uh, I was putting pictures of ourselves. Uh, um, he is the, you know, as I say. I've been in love so many times in my life, and it ain't over yet. Um, but, <laughs> but I really, absolutely love this man in so many ways. And when I met him, he was everything I would. You know when you think you're going to meet somebody that you really admire and you really like, and you kind of get disappointed? Um, you know that feeling, you think, do I really want to meet somebody that I, I really kind of, <laughs> in case they're not what I want them to be? Right, exactly. Yeah. He was everything and more. You know, he was absolutely the true English gentleman, funny and very sexy. <laughs> I know it's a very big word for 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, but hey. Um, <laughs> uh, and a wonderful actor and so on and so forth. But, you know, like when I came back and Sarah Jane, you know, you knew I was coming back after the secret had been right. kept and so on. Right. Then you get Doctor Who magazine, and the same with the, my darling girls when they came back, and I'm so proud of them both. Um, that, uh, but this one didn't leak out, so people were absolutely. I was getting stunned. I was getting yeah. people saying, "I'm crying, I'm screaming," yes. Yes. and I thought I'd been cut out. I was I was yeah, I, I was playing with the dog because I thought oh they've cut that scene and no someone <laughs> I found out no they didn't and uh, you know and everyone said we knew it was you as soon as we heard the laugh we didn't even have to yes. see your face yes <laughs> yes that's true but uh, my reason for that was knowing Joe and having grown up you know being Joe because I grew up being Joe, right, right. and she's now my age, right. um, bless her heart, yes. um, <laughs> and growing up sort of being Joe, and then it was sort of, I just knew that when the question from Darling Bonnie, who we'll be seeing more of soon, um, when Darling Bonnie sort of, you know, it says, mm -hmm. the, and you can just, Joe, who's met so many doctors, right, yes. just going, oh, I think we're going to be here quite some time, yes. she would find that, you know, amusing that, that this is how many doctors they were going to have to inform her about, or let's say not how many doctors, but how many times they had um, regenerated. Right, right. Oh, I know the big words, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to go back to the 70s for a moment, because oh, I know do you? Know, you know, <laughs> really? <laughs> well, one of, the, one, of the, one of the big things about Joe Grant that I'm sure everybody knows is she was the very first companion to battle the master. And of course, back then, no one had any idea that the master as a character would be such an iconic character. It was played by the late, great Roger Delgado, and I was hoping you could share some stories about working with the, with the man. Roger was the most gentle, sweet, um, he loathed doing stunts. He hated anything violent. Yes. Uh, he didn't do boats well. In the Sea Devils, he spent most of the time very green throwing up. Uh, this is the master off screen. Yes. Um, and John Pertwee and I were so naughty. I mean, because we were all great friends. We used to go to Roger's house with Kismet for mm -hmm. dinner. 
and you know, I go to. I mean, we were friends so strongly off camera, mm. um, and uh, anyway, so John, he, we were doing the Sea Devils, and we were on the boat, and John and I are going fatty pork chops, <laughs> and the master's going. <laughs> <laughs> he was, you know, the consummate actor. He was so extraordinary how, but as I always say, and I've kind of, you've probably seen me do this before, as an actor, you have choices, you know, and you know, unless you're directed to do something particularly. But if he's, he'd played, his whole life he'd made his career out of playing sort of baddies, for want of another yes, word, yeah. you know. And so when you're playing a character like that, I mean, if I, yeah, just be, don't fall off the stage. That's good. Cool. <laughs> right. You know, I'm not going to just sit. No, no, that's all right. And I come up to you, and I say, yeah. all right. You know what bean bags are like, or, yeah. or am I just going back no, to the seventies? No, no. Okay, great big bean bag, and the actor had to go, had to bound across the stage like that. I'll get back to Roger. Yeah. Um, had to bound across the stage like that, and I was sitting on the bean bag, playing this very uptight little school teacher, and he had to bounce, and he bounced on the bean bag, and I'm quite little, and he bounced on so hard. I was thrown into the front row. <laughs> and you can imagine, you know, there's this guy sitting there watching the play, and suddenly this woman goes, like this. <laughs> and I said, I think we need to get a bigger apartment. <laughs> anyway, back to Roger. That, that um, was my dream coming true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Roger was an absolute. He was so wonderful as a master, and I can tell you truly, the, you, I was so nervous when we mm. started with the Terror of the Autons, and because everything was going to be new, we bought right. a master. Suddenly, the army were wearing proper uniforms as opposed to those safari suits right. with paper badges, which, you know, were always a little bit... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and we were using real army and navy and so on. Many, many changes going on. And of course, Richard Franklin was introduced yes, into yes, the show. Yes. Um, so, you know, having Roger there, and so the first time he had to hypnotize me, and I, you know, I always had to take my big thick glasses off, so I never really knew where I was. Right. <laughs> but oddly enough, you know, his eyes, even with my appalling myopia and, you know, he, I could feel myself going. He had the most hypnotic mm -hmm. eyes imaginable. And isn't it wonderful when you see Missy, Michelle Gomez, if you look, and they both have um, 
you know, like uh, I, I, South America, you know, Roger Delgado, Spanish, you know, um, you, you really kind of look at them and it really is like the male, female mm -hmm. version. Yeah. It's brilliant. And she's wonderful. I loved her. Um, I thought that was a great character to bring in. And, and she, she said to me, Michelle Gomez, she said, what do you think Roger would think? I said, he would be absolutely thrilled because A, you're brilliant, and B, it's a character that really does turn well into a female, if you know what I mean. Yes, it it yes. really was perfect. But he was a joy to work with, the loveliest man. And you can imagine what it was like for us, Larry. Mm -hmm. John and I are driving along and we saw in England outside the, they would put like these me mesh cases with the headlines of the news for the mm -hmm. day. Right. Uh, and it said, Doctor Who star killed in crash. And you're driving and it's that sort of, I'm looking at John, John and you can't think, who, who is this? Which, so we, we went into the shop and to get the newspaper. And it was devastating to see that this man that we loved so much and was such a, a vital part of the show and our private lives. And Roger didn't like being driven anywhere. And he was doing this film, which during right. rehearsals we used to tease him because he'd say, I'm doing a film with Chuck, you know, <laughs> um, which is Charlton Heston. Anyway, so he's doing this film with Chuck, and uh, they insisted that the, one of the unit drivers drove him to location. Now, he hated this, and they were in Spain, and, and Roger had a Mini, that was his kind of car, little Mini, um, and so he reluctantly agreed to be driven, um, and, and that was something he'd always, always not wanted. You know, like John and I, we always drove to location, right, so right. did Roger. And, uh, and that, was, that was the end of that. And then cut forward. It, 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 it really, you can imagine what it's like going to work and finding this beautiful human being, this wonderful man, um, was not going to be with us anymore. You know, and it, it, it was, it, it took a long time for us all. And I think a lot of that, me leaving, Roger's on, I think that was a lot to do with John's decision to go. I know John, I read a lot, I read John's book, uh, Moves and Dinner Suits, and he talks a little bit about his, his you know, he had a really hard time negotiating that. that he did, and also, yeah. he and Liz and I talked about this, when you've worked with somebody for so long, it's happened to me as an actress when you take over, you are so used to how one person works, it's very hard to, and he found that. So Liz found her perfect partner with Tom, yes. who hadn't had the perfect partner up to that point, in all honesty. That, you know, that magic, that something that just clicks. And Liz said she always felt there was, you know, John would say, oh, and she'd have to say, well, yeah, but I'm not Haiti. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. and, and we know what that feels like, because you do get used to it. So I think the whole thing, you mm -hmm. know, led to, to John um, making that decision. Uh, anyway, so Roger, our beautiful Roger, you know, can you imagine how he would feel if he saw what was happening here today? What would John feel? I look at all the people that are no longer with us, right, right. you know, and uh, 
I, I feel so blessed to be here, still dragging myself around as Joe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that I, I, I've always been a character actress. I right. play so many, you know, I do multi-voicing. You know, I've just done 50 voices in a book. Right. Oh, three books. Yeah. Oh, darling, do you want to hear my depressed vending machine called Barbara? Go for it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I play everything from wardrobes that when the doors open, they they come and they fly over and eat you. And I have to find the voices for Paul Mars's demented head um, with all these characters. Mm -hmm. And 50, and they're all, you know, you don't stop and do each character. And I was doing Panda and Iris, but my depressed vending machine called Barbara. When you do a voice, right? You know, my play, I have 26 voices. Um, I did uh, Me and Jezebel, where I had, including Betty Davis, I did nine voices on stage. Sometimes four of me in a car, all talking at different, mm -hmm. you know. And people say, how do you do that? I said, you have to be completely insane. Um, <laughs> because the thing is, you have to, when you do this, you cannot just sort of sit there and do the voice. You have to visualize in your head exactly how every single character is, even if it's a wardrobe. Or um, uh, another one where I had to do, um, I had to, in the same book, I had to be this creature made out of, you know, black garbage bags and, and sort of nasty, rusty tin cans. So you have to think yourself into beings, you know, and it, it didn't ever speak words, it just walked around going, <laughs> you know, and so, but that wasn't great, don't clap that. But it was just that thing of, I had to feel this sort of vile thing. Um, and my granddaughter just loves me. Um, anyway, and then the depressed vending machine. Well, you think of a vending machine. I mean, it's just a big cabinet, really, isn't yeah. it? But this one was depressed because her, I'm going to say crisps, but you call them... Uh, potato chips and her pop, which is what well, fizzy drink. Pop, yeah. we, we do that here. Yeah, oh, you do. Yeah. And uh, so, this is her biggest problem. So, I had to find this woman who was so depressed because her, her crisps were soggy and she was too big to get on the bus with Iris. And so, you know, and, and I had to think myself into, I mean, none of these are great impressions for you at the moment, but you know, when you're in the moment doing, but I had to find that depression, but you had to be able to see this character. And she was always just a little bit slower than anybody else. You know, and uh, so uh, you, you have to come up. When I did the Scorchies, mm -hmm. you know, and I had to do, I had to sing as them all. Well, when it came to, you know, I did the Murderous Mice, I did um, Cool Cats. Mm -hmm. Joe was making a thing. He's got legs and flesh and got, you know, all that. And um, it's very early in the morning for this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then finally, I got to Mr. Cleverman, and I thought, oh, what on earth am I going to do here? Because I'd done Dolly, who was really spooky. Um, 
And so, but... Uh, because, <laughs> you see, when you're talking like this, it's very difficult to think how you're going to sing as well. Um, so, go this, making a thing. You know, it's really hard because you're talking in the back of your throat. Mm. <laughs> you're sitting there going, the woman is insane. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I just thought I, you know, because no, I no. love multi-voice. Sure, sure. Look at me, I'm getting so excited here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just wanted to talk about um, John, John's era again. Oh. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, my favorite Doctor story from that time period was Day of the Daleks. That was one of my favorite stories because I, I got to meet Anna Berry even once. Uh, oh, she's lovely. lovely oh, everybody was lovely on it. Yeah, and uh, what is your favorite story to watch? I don't watch them. Or, 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 I, don't, I watch everybody else behind the sofa. Well, which one was your favorite to work on during But that they were period? all fabulous. Okay. See, you know, um, the only thing I, I've got two things I'll say. Okay. All right. Go ahead. I, I get pleasure out of absolutely everything, basically, um, because it's always looking for the things that are good in life, you know. And always living in the now, by the way. Always remember, you hang out in that O between the N and the W. Because if you go back, you'll start looking at things you wish you'd done. And if you go forward, you'll be looking into an abyss of things that you couldn't possibly know about, and you'll end up with anxiety. So stay in the now. Anyway, um, there were two things, right? Okay, to see if you, first of all, I think John and I were a little bit, because we both felt the same about like everything, because we work so strongly mm -hmm. together, was when you're directing, and I have directed now, so I can say it with a little bit of, you know, when you're directing, if something isn't going to be that fantastic, so if you take Doctor Who and you've got, back then, you know, we had a lot of things to achieve without all the computers and press a button and do this and bada bing, bada boom, you know. Nah. Um, but when you've got Daleks that look like old people going for a walk from the old people's home. <laughs> and you watch them go around four times uh, with the director just keeping the camera on them. No. So that was my point. Okay. The other one is. Uh, Michael Bryant did the same in The Sea Devils. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, wonderful stuff. The Sea Devils were great, blah, 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 blah. And then he decided to do long close-ups on some very bad, I don't know what you do, call them flip-flops or thongs. They're thongs in Australia, flip-flops right. here. Thongs are something else in England. Um, and they didn't wear those on their feet. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just got a visual there that I can live without. Good morning, Chicago Terrace. Hello, darling. <laughs> <Sorry. Yes>. well, <laughs> um, anyway, so they, they, in, what you do, and you also bless their little hearts. You know, these were the best stuntmen in the world, mm -hmm. but they didn't think, how does a sea devil walk? So they were, Michael Bryant decided to do a lot of shots of these. Really bad glimpses, you know, of thoughts, right? And they were sort of picking their way through. Like this. That's and exactly right, yeah. <laughs> my attitude would be, let's not linger on the feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
okay? Little things like that. So this is not me saying, oh, you know, because back then we have to watch anything that's old, including me. Um, we have to watch anything that's old uh, on television. Don't watch it with current eyes. Watch it with the eyes of the time it was made. When you watch old black and white films, be in that time, because that way you'll get it, you'll enjoy it, you know. So that's good. That's good. I think that's really, really important because so many people will, because of what you can do now, you know. There's generations too after me that have grown up with all these things and been sorted because you grow up with computers. You know, I remember the first television coming into this, into our house, and we were one of the early ones. You know, yes, yes. Oh, I go back so far, darling. I remember all these things that most of you wouldn't even know about. <laughs> I, I believe some of these folks out here have never dialed up. So all in all, <laughs> I loved the Green Death. Yes, I did too. And um, I thought that was a wonderful story, and. What an end. Yes, that was a good ending. Isn't it amazing ending. when you don't need words? That yeah. says that the strength, to be honest, yes. I think that speaks volumes about the strength of the relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and it was an amazing studio. Everybody up in the, the box, everybody on the floor, everybody had tears in their eyes. Yeah. They and felt what John and I had been dealing with all through the location time on that. Right. You know, we were so close. This was just, you know, a huge situation to deal with. Serendipity. Which I did later. Yes, you did. That was the show right after that. Yeah, well, I, I, went, I was playing a 16-year-old mass murderer still died at night at the Edinburgh Festival. <laughs> and then I was coming back and teaching people how to work in epoxy resin, how to weave, how to, yes, yes. How to make jewelry and hand polish semi-precious stones. Uh, interesting, huh? <laughs> I do want to ask you, since I am a Doctor Who collector, uh, do you have anything that you took from the series that no one else would have? What do you mean, like a possession? Yeah, something that you... With my eyesight, I wouldn't even know where it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. No, I haven't asked that of other companions. Wendy and I, yeah, you go to the later ones, oh, and then I'll tell you... Actually, one of the earlier ones, too. Peter Purvis uh, took well, something Well, that, that's just a yeah. sort of... It was like, John, yeah. don't leave anything lying around. No, John took uh, a lot of stuff with him, too. He was well known for this. I never think about doing things like okay. that. But also, Wendy and I, when we were asked this question, did you keep any of your costumes? We looked at each other, because they'd all been saying, oh, yes, would you do that? And the lovely <laughs> Sophie said, oh, yeah, when I smashed the what's it after the doofer doofer. And, you know, right, yeah. Wendy and I looked at each other and why? Yeah. Because you had to understand back then, why? You yeah, know, yeah. All, all the scripts that unfortunately got destroyed in the flood were the only things I can, because John and I used to do drawings and notes to each oh, other, okay. and then the brig would do another note, and I had all these, I mean, they would have been divine for you all to see today, mm. but I have them in my mind, for my memory. There you go. I'm sorry I can't share them with you. That's okay. <laughs> uh, before, as we are getting close to time, if you want to ask a question of Katie, we have a talkback microphone over here. So if you want to line up and queue, or queue on this side here, I'm going to ask one more question and then we'll get to the audience. Um, of course, another, coming back to the future again, you, you were in a small role in a movie called The Five-ish Doctors Reboot. 
Because you know why I wasn't in the mind, doctors, don't you? Right. Um, yes. Have you ever thought that Tom wasn't in it either? Right, right. Well, what happened was, Tom said no. I was in Australia, and so they had written it for Liz and Tom, right. Joe and John, uh, you know, uh, me and John. But Tom refused to do it. Right, right. So, and I was in Australia, so they made the decision. Liz said to me, it was really tough trying to make your character's words work for my character. Right, right. I know nothing about the reboot. Okay, I, that was a Peter Davison film that he did as uh, for the 50th anniversary that, they, that the doctors were trying to sneak back into the, into the film. And you, I, you may not remember, it was a brief role, but I just don't know if you remember I, any you of know, that. I hate it. Well, Johnny, That's you okay. Know. No, I, I, no, no problem. No problem. Uh, we're going to go to the audience here. So uh, we've got Tony Witt up here. Hello, Johnny. Sorry? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, me, I mean, uh, one of the things Tevin's really liked doing um, was he really, really, really uh, liked it. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when there was a script problem, uh, he was in his element. Because John and I sometimes would challenge because that you'd, you'd read an escape and you'd go, oh, really? I was bad enough that I tried to dig me way out with a spoon. But, um, <laughs> but you know, he loved it. But the wonderful thing about Terence Dix and Barry Letts is you never saw them without each other. You know, it was like a sort of um, a comedy duo, if yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, the very calm Barry, who was extraordinary, I just have to say. I know the question's about Terence, but, and I will get back. But, Barry was one of those quiet achievers. You know, like I said to you about the master, the, yes. the more quietly you deal with the situation, you know, it's like if anybody's doing something very naughty, I go very quiet at them. And I say, oh, darling, you know that piece of rubbish you just dropped down there? Would you like me to pop it in the bin for you? <laughs> That's how you deal with that. Um, and so he managed to get more money out of the BBC by being this calm, determined, and he achieved many more things than I think a lot of you know about, with Terence always to his side. And Terence was extraordinary because he had a, a, a passion for young people reading, hence all the Target books and things like that. And his whole life was spent doing sort of children's charities, mm -hmm. getting children to reading, getting, you know, things like that happening. He was wonderful. And as I said, as a female, which we get all this all the time, when you get to my age, you know, you, you, you've dealt with a lot of stuff and you know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, but I look, you know, when people talk about how difficult it was for them and so, I must have been the luckiest woman in the world because I was treated absolutely equally on every level. I might not have had the same pay as John, right, right. but you know, listen, I was a young actress. I was lucky to be paid at all, right. um, you know. <laughs> uh, but I was in on every, and that was because Terence and Barry had that attitude that, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female, you are an equal part of creating a show. Right. Um, and that was the end of that. 
and we also had a lot more women working on it than a lot of people realise. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, yes. Uh, you know, and uh, I was very, very lucky, and plus I also came from parents who, you know, as I've often said to people, my father was championing women in the workplace back in 1963, 64, having crashes. In fact, I'd grown up with all that around me as being perfectly normal, that I could do anything. I never questioned that I couldn't. So, but, and so working with producer and, and uh, script editor like that was so fortunate because they did take me in on everything. I was allowed to go anywhere in the BBC and uh, I got to see how everything was done. So for me, as a young actress, this was the, the biggest gift you could have given me. A great understanding, special effects, editing, you know, wonderful. And they, I couldn't have worked for two more wonderful, caring, charitable, you know, incredibly creative and determined men. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next, uh, go ahead and say your name. And, uh, I know who you are even though I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> I get to know blurs very well. Everyone knows Katie Gaines. All right, lovey, I won't. You and I should do it, you know, my Irish versus your... <laughs> yes. I give you, um, from a voice woman, because I can't see, I've got incredible voice hearing. And you are amazing. Really, she is incredible. I don't say that lightly. That's, I get tough when people play with accents. You know, get it right or don't do it. when she offered her life for the doctors. That's why, and thank you for bringing this up, don't dismiss, you know, and, and I've heard this a lot, but people are beginning to change their minds now. You know, you see a short skirt, and so on and so forth. I screamed less than people in the 80s. Oh, I hardly ever screamed. 
And, you know, Jo was also disobedient. She didn't do it. She, mm-hmm. she was quite a tough little cookie, even though she had come from absolutely. And you also have to remember, this was a girl. She knew nothing about space and monsters and creatures like that. You know, nowadays, sometimes they go in and they seem to know an awful lot before they even get in the TARDIS because life is different now. Um, so I think a lot of our, the earlier, you know, um, companions, uh, I think, don't dismiss them, darling. They were there and they were there and there was much stronger women than they've been given kudos for. You know, and thank you for saying that, you know. And goo goo, I love that moment. I am here. I am him, you are, he is me, and we are all together. I mean, you get a Beatles song in Doctor Who, I think that's cool. You know, it, for me to do, uh, oh, stop it, Katie. Um, <laughs> I only have two emotions, laughter and tears. Um, uh, but, you know, can you imagine doing that and then hearing, which I wasn't expecting to hear, because they said to me, the shadow comes in and you, and I knew who it was I was going to be seeing, you know, but I didn't expect to hear, oh, Joe. I, I mean, that was quite something, you know. And to think of Liz, John, and um, Stuart, all people that I've said farewell to, but they never leave me because I don't do, you know, I don't do closure, darling. Um, <laughs> no, every door of every life is open in my heart and head. But um, that was a wonderful Daniel, you know, that was just... Um, and there's Joe helping this boy through his love life. It was an absolute gift, but I can't tell you. It affected, you know, I was an actor playing this character, but I had all this reality in life at the back of it, you know. So thank you. You are an amazing woman. I really adore you. Let's give her a round. That's okay. Go ahead, sir. Oh, get me in the hall, honey. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, darling, this would go straight into this planet without a question. You know, I mean. I get very upset when I hear the amount of money that lots of people do seem to earn. And then I find out what they do with it. And I see people buying landfill handbags, you know, for $10,000. And, you know, and we're looking at, we're losing species of animals. You know, there is no two ways. Every single penny would go in some way towards preserving the people, the children, 
and the animals and the life on this planet. What a gift we have. You know, this is the most, it doesn't matter how much you think about what's up there. Look at what we've got here. And I, I just have awe, even with it, I just look at a tree, you know, and I just see so much beauty that's been gifted us. So that's, that's where my money would go. And you know, anything Amen. that could be helped, getting people through their difficulties of lives, of living on a planet, it is so much. Every penny that we ever should have, we should be able to give towards helping each other. And if we don't have money, let's just respect, understand, and not judge, and let's start being able to hug each other again. Let's, you know, be the creatures that we all belong in this planet. So. Ladies and gentlemen, Thank you so much. I love that. And as you do know, absolutely deeply from the bottom of my heart, how grateful I am to you all and how much I truly, when people say, how do you love all of our people you hardly know? Worlds go around hating people they never even met. I'm the jolly go around loving people. Thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you all. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss in story order all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitchers, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast on the Direction Point Podcast Network. Keep collecting! I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 30, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time Ram. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories. So you don't have to. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard Podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard Podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard Podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. 
the vervoids are probably the best dirty joke in Doctor Who. They're hermaphroditic plants. A lot of plants are. So there you but go. Yeah. Let's see it's based on science. No, they'll ship anything. There are probably 11 and handle shippers out there. You just have to drill a hole where his mouth is and you're all set. You know yeah. he needs the room. I've seen it in pictures. I'm not saying you're not a fan. I'm saying you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Doctor Who gives a a drunken Doctor Who podcast for the end times. Through all my travelings throughout the universe, I have battled against evil, against power-mad conspirators. I should have stayed here. The oldest civilization, decadent, degenerate, and rotten to the core. Power-mad conspirators, Daleks, Sontarans, Cybermen. They're still in the nursery compared to us. Ten million years of absolute power. That's what it takes to be really corrupt. And now it's time, of course, for the most outrageous offer or information about most outrageous offers. Tonight's a little bit of, little bit different than what I've done before. But before I start, I want to thank, uh, thank, thank again to Chicago TARDIS for allowing me to record the interview I did with Katie Manning. I apologize for the quality of the audio. We were we had professional microphones on stage, but. Of course, Katie, uh, Katie being Katie, which is wonderful, she left the stage and we had to integrate the video, the video audio into the uh, podcast. So we did our best. Um, and so I, I'm sorry if the quality wasn't up to snuff like we usually do, but it is when you do a live taping and we had this issue before. Uh, so I, I just hope you enjoy it. I hope it was it was fun. Um, we had a great time celebrating 60 years of, of Doctor Who. And of course, as I'm recording this uh, this segment, I had a chance to watch The Giggle last night. And I, and I feel it is one of the best stories I've seen in a long time. Neil Patrick Harris was absolutely brilliant as the Celestial Toymaker. And of course, the ending, uh, I won't spoil it for anyone, but you just got to watch it. And uh, I, I just thought it was great. Anyway, uh, I want to focus on a couple of books that have come up in conversations across the world. Um, I'm talking about New Adventure series, the last two books, uh, The Lung Barrow and The Dying Days. Um, I've had a lot of discussions with uh, collectors and a, and a prominent dealer, uh, Gene Smith uh, of Alien Entertainment, chimed in on this as well because um, there are people selling The Dying Days and Lung Barrow for more than $500, $600. And... I believe that is outrageous um, because after doing my own research, the majority of books that have sold have been $300 or less. Now, it is hard to find. They're hard to find in mint condition. They're hard to find in, in very good condition. But you're not going to get more than that for that book. People are just going to walk by. You know, I've had some issues. Um, I just recently had an issue with a seller who has one of those inflatable ride-along Daleks, but they wanted $800 to ship it. And I said, are you crazy? That's not even close. So, you know, of course, they, they were like, nope, that's the price. I'm like, well, then good luck. Um, you know, nobody's going to pay that. You know, <laughs> you're going to pay $100, $100 for the item and then, you know, $1,000 total to bring it to you. That's that's absolutely crazy. I mean, unless you're getting a real Dalek, you know, then I understand. You know, that can be, that can run in that that range. But anyway, um, Long Bear on the Dying Days, the two final books of New Adventures, should not go for any further than $300 each. 
Uh, I will be adding uh, soon to my website, uh, in addition to the hardcover guide, we're going to add a guide to new adventure books uh, with prices and as well as uh, blue spines. Um, because that's kind of the next phase here with uh, with collecting. And uh, just kind of, I'm, I'm still looking to complete my Blue Spine collection. I have just completed my new adventure collection. I've had Lung Bear on the Dying Days for a long time. I paid cover price for those. So it's it's a matter of uh, being, you know, one of the advantages of being old. <laughs> I was around when they were, when they were out. But keep, you know, again, do the shopping thing. You know, look around. You know, sometimes you can get lucky on sites like, you know, eBay sometimes has as good sellers. You sometimes have to change your search engine a little bit because uh, sometimes sellers misspell the word. I've seen Lung Barrow, uh, you know, with uh, Lung Burrow, actually, uh, <laughs> in the listing. So it didn't come up on the Lung Barrow search. But when I did a new adventure search, it came up there. And I'm like, oh, interesting. That's how that worked. And that book was selling for about $300, which is okay. So, you know... I would say if you really want a copy of Lung Bear on the Dying Days, you're probably the two books together will probably set you about six hundred bucks. You know, I I myself am not looking to sell my copies. I'm I'm good to go there, but they are very very difficult to find. And um, you know, you might pay less for that. You might find them for two hundred. You might find them for a hundred dollars. You know, if you do great, fantastic. But don't be the person that tries to turn it around for five hundred, six hundred. Ain't gonna happen. You'll sit on it. You won't get it anything, and it, it's just not a good um, place to go. And we, we've got way too much price gouging in the world of Doctor Who, especially amongst the uh, Sonic Screwdriver toys, uh, the B and M sets, uh, the the character online sets. Just just awful awful stuff that's happening with people going to the store, cleaning them out, and then three days later they're on eBay for five times the price. That is just wrong, and you know. I understand the entrepreneurial spirit. People tell me all the time. They get in my face about it and say, you know, I have the right to set my price. And I said, I have the complete right to agree with you and agree uh, with me that I don't have to pay it. And I can tell other people not to pay it. That's my freedom. So as we try to educate collectors across the world, I've got listeners from all over the place, Australia, UK. I've got a couple in Germany. United States, Canada, you know, and, and some parts of Brazil. So it's really quite something to to have that kind of reach. So I know it's hard to find Doctor Who stuff, older the older stuff especially. Um, and keep in mind that stuff made after 2005, there's more stuff that was made after 2005 than prior to that, back to 63. So just, you know, look around, keep searching, keep doing the, 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 you know, the, the patience pays off because, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for 42 years. And sometimes, you know, one of the books I just managed to get, I've been looking for for over 30 years. And I finally got one. I'll announce that uh, when it comes in. I don't like to announce stuff when it's not here because what happens if it gets lost in the mail? I've had that happen. Uh, I had a book, um, Doctor Who Jr. and the Giant Robot Hardcover, lost in the mail. Uh, got my money back because that's the policy. Uh, eBay has some good policies, you know, didn't show it was delivered. It was tracked and it got lost. And so they had to refund the money, which uh, if it ever turned up, it never did, by the way. Um, I've had other books never turn up. Uh, so it's 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 happened. But, you know, that's uh, that's how it goes. So anyway, that's the most outrageous offer. And of course, uh, as that that's a wrap for this episode of the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. I want to thank my guest, 
Ms. Katie Manning, who played the wonderful Joe Grant on Doctor Who, my first companion that I ever saw on TV. I I, I love you dearly. You're, you're great. And um, she uh, she was very happy with uh, with our our time together. I also want to thank our, our friends at Chicago TARDIS, Stephen Warren Hill, Nick Seidler, Mike Olson, and John Lavallee, and of course, Russell McGee, who engineered the recording. Thank you so much to all of you. Uh, what's coming up? Uh, episode 73 will be my annual Christmas episode. I will be talking about the best gifts for the casual Doctor Who fan. And uh, that is sponsored by Amazon.com. I know I'm saying that out loud. They do uh, offer me a little bit to do that episode. So that's once a year we do our annual Christmas episode. Usually I do it with music underneath, so it's kind of fun to do. Uh, What's happening in the new year? Well, we've got plans in the new year. We're hoping to have Lisa Bowerman on the program. She's uh, she's agreed to do it. We just have to find a time. Andrew Skilleter, of course, is is uh, is in the wings. You know, we're going to get him on the program as well. We're going to have Tasha Achilleos back, and Anna Achilleos, the daughter of Chris Achilleos, will be on the program as well. And who knows uh, what might happen there? You know, we'll we'll see who's. Uh, who's available out there to, to talk to me. But and again, if you're a collector and you want to share your story, uh, just reach us out to us at DoctorWhoCollectorsPodcast at gmail.com. Ah, for the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, I am Larry Van Rosbergen. Keep collecting. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.